The World So Far. He wore the brightest of colors today. Today was not like any other day. It was a day of mourning and remembrance. It was something he would not forget for his remaining days on Goron. The sight of Jessicar Zafon standing at the threshold of a once great castle. Castle Trestle now in pieces, fragmented by a battle that should never have come to pass. Carter knew this was his fault. He took on this burden as his own. He had been called many things in his life. Madman, the Hand of the Storm, Lightning's Fury, and many more names lost to the wind of time. He had never been labeled a failure until now. He had seen more bloodshed than most in his short life. He had spilled plenty by his own hand. He had never lost one under his charge. His vow of protection meant nothing now. What once was a promise, now laid to flowery words that an old man spoke. Svan wore the colors of the Heralds of the Storm that day. The blues and grays of his former unit blended in with the storm clouds above. It wasn't his idea to have the funeral so soon, but it made sense. He hated that it made sense. Something about having the funeral made it final. He had known clerics, wizards, and with all the magic in the world, it seemed that there was no undoing this failure of his. Carter Spawn would forever be labeled as someone who could not uphold a vow. Svan walked from the castle and towards the ruins of Lead Church. The architects rebuilt most of it on double time. Svan demanded it. He refused to have someone so close to him be buried in the ruins of a town they called home. He wished he could tell him once more how things were going to be okay and how they would all work out. He was not granted such an audience. Swans found each step up to the entrance of Lead Church to be harder than the last. The weight of his folly heavier with each stride. As he crossed through from Oxbane's ruins into the newly constructed Lead Church, Stuart fell and stood, waiting at the pulpit. The casket before her. Closed, of course. He believed that the most respectful of things. Considering everything, Svan thought everything would be fine when they were clearing the town of the remaining fiends. He thought Chiringa and his self-titled Rough Boys would be fine. Carter thought a lot of things would have been fine that day. He thought everyone would come home. After seeing Rowan, Kristoff, and Atlas emerge from the belly of the beast, Carter Spawn had something he thought he had lost. Hope. Today was a reminder. That was foolish thinking. It reminded Carter how dark the world was, and how his life had been of war and loss. 
He had been fortunate until today. Fortunate that his friends and comrades that were close to him had not fallen in the many battles he had waged. Maybe that's why it all seemed so painful. He had only experienced death from afar. He had not truly experienced loss. Not on this scale. Carter walked down the center of the church, crossing pews of friends and townsfolk alike. Even Henry and Teresa had made the trip out. Svan gave a weak, reassuring smile to the pair as he walked by them. Svan looked over the forces of the many townsfolk. Svan looked over the faces of the many townsfolk as he approached the front of the church, where the rough boys sat in tears. He had not seen them since that day. He had not seen them since it all happened. It took everyone by surprise. They thought. Svan shook his head that day. It didn't matter what they thought. Svan climbed atop the stage and took his place at the podium. It was his job to send him off. After all, there was no one better suited for the task. Svan looked across the people, wishing he saw Turinga among them, hoping. After a long pause, Knowing he would not be afforded such a luxury, he began. Death comes for us all, in one way or another. Some races are meant to live longer lives than others. Some are never afforded that chance. I wish I could stand here and tell you how hard we fought, side by side. We did. But it was all for naught. Today we lay a dear friend to rest. One that I will never forget. I know the passing will be one we all carry with us. Though you would never have expected it from someone of his station. He was kind, in a way at least. In his way, at least. In a role that required stern words and had the job of protecting our city. Being that way could not have been easy. (sighs) We lay to rest someone great. Sinlor, I pray you guide our friend down the path of light. I pray you guide our friend home. It is in your name we take safety, comfort, and solace. Senlor, protector of Goron, hear my call. Grant him your strength and wisdom as he walks home to the light. Svan climbed down from the podium and laid a hand on the casket. I'll miss you, dear friend. And as Svan does so, the scene fades away into the darkness.
Many suns rise and fall. With them the light of Malieve graced their way. Svan sits at a wooden desk reading papers by candlelight. He is surrounded of wood and a window behind him. The door opens and shuts and a figure in armor stands before him. The sound of sea and wind pour in from the seals of the window. What news do you have? The familiar voice of Chiringa responds. Not great news, I'm afraid. The reports are coming in, and it appears that all the rumors we have heard are true. Bindle has vanished, Frost with him. I suppose they are off to confirm everything. The two of them don't trust anyone with a job like this. <sighs> Svan sighs and leans back into his wooden chair, rocking with the waves. He drinks deeply from a wineskin and says, If they are true, and it is happening, Goron is in grave danger. The very world lays at our feet. I figure it makes sense, though. The old-timers, they spoke of the arcane wars and how dangerous they were. They spoke of just how close it came back then to ending. Funny, I thought we would all die mortal deaths. It's not over yet, Svan. There's still time, and there's still hope. With the shores we must broach, I don't think we will be welcomed as heroes. And I don't think we'll have the luxury of hope. Perhaps you're right. But perhaps... Perhaps... There is hope for it all. Maybe the reports are wrong, Svan. Maybe... Maybe there's more to it. Maybe... They're just that. Reports. Rumors. Lies. By Sinlor's horns. If that were the case... The cabin falls away. Let them come! We see a large, bright red tiefling in thick metal armor. Metal links wrapped around his chest in midsection. If they are so eager to meet Sutra, then I shall be their ferryman. Across the table, a smaller female tiefling sits in a thick, oversized robe and hood. The larger tiefling before her was a decade her senior. And do you think that's what his majesty wants? She asked the larger of the two. Our king wants victory. He wants to change the world. I'll be his sword. I'll be his shield. Oh, Broxworth, you never were foreseeing the bigger picture, were you? Huh? What's that supposed to mean? If the Majesty's brother is coming home, 
and he's bringing the other heroes of Oxbane with him, how would you imagine they would react? Do you think they are so insignificant that they should not be prepared for? They are but insects, and when they reach our borders, I'll smash them myself! I'm going to miss you, Broxworth. I won't have anyone else in my life that makes me feel as smart as you do. Why, thanks! You're too kind. The young tiefling rolls her eyes and departs from the small table they both shared. The visage of a human with wild hair stands before an older, smaller Trekin. The two locked in conversation. They stand in the midst of rolling hills, wind nipping at their cloaks. As we get closer, we see the two females more clearly. The human's lower jaw was more defined than most. Two small tusks protruding from her bottom jaw, peeking above her upper lip. Her eyes sharper in appearance, oval in shape with large pupils, making her eyes almost black, save the blue iris ring around them. Her skin a soft pink, her hair wild and coarse like that of a horse. Braided tightly, her blue hair fell down her back atop her axe. On her back, a large axe was positioned securely, its body wrapped in white leathers, tears and the wear of time easily discerned on the grip. The axe itself was shaped like two half moons that were put together, separated by the base of the axe. The center of the axe head had markings lost in time. Outlined around the markings was the unmistakable outline of, of the continent of Kozend. The unmistakable outline of the continent of Kozend. The Trekin across from her is smaller in stature, even for her race. Her face less blocky and more human than most Trekins. She bore flowers across her back and shoulders, a symphony of blues, reds, yellows, and deep purples. Her body of bark and vine, her eyes a deep, rich yellow. They pulsed with light as her very own heart beat. At her side, attached to her belt, a wooden circle hung carelessly. But in the same right, it seemed to move with purpose as the Trekin shifted from one foot to the other. Evenly spaced along the circle of wood, small silver zills inserted three to a stack. Unlike its counterparts, this particular tambourine did not have a flat side. It was open and exposed on both sides of the circle. Ornate figures were scrawled along the wood, burnt in place. Even from a distance, it was easy to tell a story was told in those shapes. Weespawoo is not the only place affected, the woman said to her Trekin counterpart. Tsali, I'm sure cousin is fine. You have checked yourself. Do you not trust yourself? The half-troll shook her head. I don't. 
Fender lived in Oxbane, and look what happened there. Findle the Mad? Yes, we all strive to compare ourselves to him. <laughs> but the Findle we once knew, I fear he is gone, long gone. The Maul is all that is left of him. You must know this. Tazali shook her head, as if defending Findle. He's there still. I can see it. I knew him before. He isn't all gone, Afi. Then it's a matter of time. Findle is at Whisperwall now, and I trust him to complete a task. Insanity or not? Hazel nodded in agreement. But what of Kethar? So close to Whisperwall. How can we be sure it hasn't been invaded either? Kethar is under his watch. Do you question his ability to keep his home safe? No, that's, that's not what I meant. Affy shrugged at the half-human, half-troll. Good! Tazali, you let your own paranoia take over too often. But the rumors of Bantharon are hard to ignore. They are just that, Tazali. Rumors? Kosin and Kathar are safe. There's nothing more to it. Siv has only a poor under control. The threat there is being contained. It's being contained. Trust in the stewardship, Tazali. Oh, but Siv is one person. Siv is the daughter of Sinlor. I imagine she can handle herself. Allegedly. The daughter of Sinlor. Tazali's brow frustrated as she spoke. Allegedly, then. Alfie's wooden brows made small cracking noises as they raised to show her own exhaustion with the topic. If there is nothing else. No, I suppose there is not, Alfie. Excellent, then be safe. And do not be a stranger. The islands, they love visitors. Alfie turned, her chainmail armor dancing in the light. She waved a wooden, thick hand that almost resembled a claw. More than a hand itself, as she walked away. Majesty! The voice called out from the humanoid form behind her. She turned to see the familiar face of an old friend. The elf smiled wide. Chinsky! What brings you to Oxbane? Chinsky stood across from the blonde elf. Chinsky was covered in light brown fur along her body. All Ardens had fur across their body. Then leathery scale-like armor covered other parts. Their shoulders, chest, legs, 
It was as if they were born with armor upon them, their long tails covered in the same leather-like scales, their noses similar to mice with ears that perked up. Chinsky was at most five feet tall. Still wearing those goggles you made, Chinsky adjusted the bronze eyepieces and the lens shifted in color, chromatically flashing as she adjusted them. Without them, it can be hard to see, you know, the Magister nodded. I came to check on your arm and leg. Did, did someone call you? I haven't, a pro- have, I haven't had a problem with either. The Magister looked down at her right arm and moved her hand around. The metal balls and joints moved in perfect motion. The Magister's entire right arm was made of metals. The Magister raised her right leg up and down and then put her right hand on it to make certain everything felt right. Her right leg, just above her knee, down, was almost made entirely of metal. No, but I'll be traveling soon. I wanted to check in on an old friend before I departed for a while. I see. Things are fine, Chinsky. You know you are one of the few people who still call me that. (laughs) What would you prefer I call you? The Tinkerer? (laughs) I don't even call Findle a steward. I'd call him the Mad, but no. My name would suffice. I'm fond of the name my parents gave me, Magister. I'm fond of Chinsky. (laughs) Chinsky waved her hands in the air in defeat. So it is written, so it shall be. Chinsky walked forward, her natural armor shifting as she walked. She bore a messenger bag that rattled as she walked. She adorned other mechanical contraptions with whirring gears, some of which directly attached to her natural leathery scales. You don't take that long to adjust to being the Magister, it seems. You know I hate this. You don't hate it that much. True. Someone had to do it. Where are you off to this time? Silence, I'm afraid. The blonde elf looked at her friend in surprise. You... you know that's a dangerous place right now. The tinkerer nodded. I've heard the rumors. I must go, though. What awaits you in silence? I got a letter from Henry. Oh. Then you heard the news. The tinkerer nodded. I did. It's terrible news. I would have never thought. Me either. If you're leaving, have you locked up your home then? Of course! I had to do some serious repair when I got there, though. 
It looks like someone was squatting in my house, and the door said there were three ruffians who kidnapped the squatter. Plotted his death, and all right in front of the door. An orc, tiefling, and a half-elf. The magister raised her brows at this. Really? Yes, but that door has been a sprog loose since I built her. I suppose, Chinsky, I suppose so. I'm fine, and my arm and leg is fine. I do appreciate you stopping in. I wish you safe travel. And when you return, let's have a proper meal. That sounds wonderful. I miss the Red Roof's hard biscuits. Mm. <laughs> Maybe in time... We will be known for those instead of the demons. And here I thought it was torrential forgery Oxbane was known for. Mm, it could be both. The magister shrugged and raised both arms. The view fading away as Arden and Elf share a good laugh. Two old friends without a care. A long-deserved reprieve. And her vision replaced by an ashen gray orc laying against a large stone. The middle of the orc torn free of itself, a large wound, blood pouring forth. An orc of a similar color and kind kneeled next to him. Father, hold on. <coughs> My son. Save your strength, father. A physical is coming. Son, uh, I'm not long for this world. These veins are... Stop. Your words, they can wait. They are too much. You must seek out the ghost of Bastonia. The haunt of the southern land. He can help you. What? Why? What do you what do you mean? Why would I leave you? Why would I leave your side? Word has traveled. His deeds. Uh, they are great. They say he faces these fiends on his own. I can have one of the elders send a message for him. No, no. That orc is your brother. He's your brother, Lazarus. Go. Find Rogza. Find the ghost of Bastonia. My. Brother? How? How? How will I find him? <laughs> you must uh, find Henry Ferrier. Oh, uh, River. This. This can't be. Roxa. Ghost of Bastonia. I'll find you, brother. The young orc 
collapses into the chest of his father as he watches his life fade away. They say the shores of Whisperwall are a sight to see. They say that even the bravest of the soldiers fear its shorelines. It's rumored that the Kingdom of Silence was once so great that the nearby dare not speak their name. The Shindo family name, once powerful and great, now shrouded in mystery and turmoil. The fire Janasi waves her hand to the hair as if dismissing the notions of a child. At least, that's what the t- rumors say. I pride myself on fact, and the fact of the matter is, there is power in the heart of the kingdom. A mysterious and great source of power. Something I must investigate for myself. Do you think that wise? To chase such power into the heart of the kingdom? Funny coming from you. You're a long way from home, my smoothie friend. I'd ask you the same question. Henry Ferrier looks over a small piece of paper with an artist's sketch of Atlas and Teresa. He clutches the paper close to his chest. I suppose we weren't all meant for peace. And I had nearly two decades of it myself. Long enough to have a family. A child. And that is more than I can ask for. You can feel it in the air. Can't you, Rayborn? The fire Janasi nods. It's like the torrent's calling out to me. No. She shakes her head. It, it's crying out to me. Uh, screaming, even. It's, it's like a cub snared in a hunting trap. Bindle nods. The lines of his face pronounced in the flicker of the illumination of the fire Janasi's hair. Henry, I'm sorry to involve you in this. I really am. But when it comes to forging weapons, I trust no one more than you. When it comes to destroying them, I trust you with my life. Fendel looks down to the gauntlet. It's true, then. What Carter told me about the torrent. It's true as can be, I suppose. Something is corrupting the torrent. And with it, our magic. Those of us who... Are tied to the torrent. We feel it. And for now, only Whisper Hole appears to be affected. But that won't last. I'm sure of it. Even Andron's maw. It feels heavier somehow. Will you be alright, Fender? Who, me? (laughs) Oh yes, don't worry about an old man like myself. I've lived a long time and seen so much in this world. I doubt this of all things will be my end. 
I'm going ahead. I'll let you know what I find further inland. Findle nods to Abon. Be careful. I don't know what we will find ahead. Abon touches her quill to her tongue, and the tip of it sets ablaze. She cracks open the book she so often carries with her and begins to scrawl across the page. The flames dancing along the paper as she writes. She tore the page free and threw it forward into the wind. The paper burned away into ash. Then the ash slowly formed into a griffin. A griffin made of ash and ink. Abon gave both Henry and Findle a nod before mounting the griffin. The griffin squawked before leaping into the air, beating its wings, carrying its rider into the sky. I'm not sure I'll get used to her style of magic. Come, Henry. There is much to do. Let us see how Carter is coming with the reinforcements. Henry and Findle turn to look at the half a dozen ships in the cove. The beach full of tents and soldiers. The chill wind of Whisperwolf howling. <laughs>